So we're here. We are uh, just for the sake of I don't know when we'll actually this will be released, but it's Thursday morning, July first, and the Supreme Court this morning released two cases. Well, there might have been more, but two that are important. The first of which was a six-three decision uh, upholding Arizona's uh, a couple pieces of Arizona's voting laws. One that prohibits ballot harvesting, and that's basically anyone who's not a family member or a caregiver uh, collecting ballots and then turning them in. So the Supreme Court said, nope, can't do that, can't do the ballot harvesting. And the second piece was, if you cast a ballot in the wrong precinct, then it doesn't count. If you do election day voting and you're in a county that does a precinct uh, system, if you go to the wrong precinct and vote, then it's not going to count. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> that's probably less of an issue going forward because most, at least in Maricopa County, and I got, I, I'm not sure what the other counties because I don't have firsthand knowledge, but in Maricopa County, the last couple of elections, it's been voting centers. Yeah. So, because there's so much voting that happens early. In Arizona. I mean, we have more than 80% of our votes cast by early ballot. Now, they're not necessarily all early because there are a lot of people like me who get an early ballot and then hold on to it and drop it off on election day at a polling place. And so it doesn't get counted until... Do you ever miss standing in a booth voting? You know, that's a good question. I went to, with my daughter. This was the first time she was able to vote. Until, with the black pen. Yeah. And um, she went to an early voting site and I went in with her and, and I did not miss it because you forget until you see the ballot. Every year I, I forget how many things there are to vote for yeah. in a general election ballot. Yeah. And how long um, it, it, it takes. Because you have all the judges, you, all the retain, re, retention votes for judges. You have whatever local initiatives, national state initiatives the state legislature, the school board. I mean, it's and when and some some years we've had like 9 or 10 initiatives, statewide initiatives on the ballot. Yeah. So there's a lot. It takes time. If you go stand in line and vote on election day, you're going to be standing in that voting booth for not an insignificant amount of time. Yeah. At least 30 minutes if yeah. you, if, if if you care. Right. Yeah, some people I mean, we do know that a lot of people only vote for a couple things. Um, yeah. So, so to what extent do you think ballot harvesting was a was a big issue in Arizona? I prior to I mean, 2016 is when you said that. The yeah. So laws passed. I mean, it was it's definitely been a tactic of um, more of a tactic used by Democrats than Republicans. Sure. And that's an. Oh, I, I guess I shouldn't say sure. Well, I it, mean, it, it, it just happened to be more organized on you know, with union, unions and other natural constituents, government workers, those kinds of things. Um, and, but the concern is that there is a, a, a potential for fraud when you have somebody who's a third party that's, you know, there's, and, and the Supreme Court talked about this, there, there is a potential of coercion and intimidation. You know, somebody shows up at a nursing home and says, here are your ballots and here how I want you to vote. I'm going to go take these and, you know, that's, that's a real issue, um, and I think the Supreme Court recognized that there is it, it. 
ballot harvesting does not discriminate against minorities. Yeah. I mean, everyone has a very and, – and even Alito was the author of the, of the decision. He points out that Arizona, it's very easy to vote in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And it really is. I mean, we have one of the, the loosest um, systems in the nation. There are some states where you cannot cast an early ballot without giving some kind of a reason why you can't vote on election day. Yeah, I mean, we have no excuse. We have no excuse voting. We can, and we got permanent early voter rolls. You get on there, you get the ballot mailed to you. So it's clearly um, the the justices saw this as a something that was. Uh, important to prevent fraud and intimidation and to, you know, keep a sense of security about the election. And then on the, the um, not voting by, in the right precinct, it turns out that 1% of Native Americans, 1% of Latinos, and 1% of African Americans had voted in the wrong precinct, where half of a percent of white voters voted in the wrong precinct. And so the case that was trying to be made was you're twice as likely if you're a person of color to vote in the wrong precinct. So that's why this, you know, you this is discriminatory. But that's 99% versus 99.5%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like and and so the justices said that's an absurd argument. And, and my, my experience in that, because I, I believe that happened to me once, is that when, you, when you're voting in the wrong precinct and you're not on the, that precinct rules, you're, you're given a provisional ballot. Well, the, first they'll say, you're not on the rolls here. What's your address? You need to go to this yeah. precinct. And if you think that you're on there, then you can vote a provisional ballot. Yeah, you can say, no, I want a provisional. I, don't, yeah. I can't do this. So, so it doesn't disenfranchise. So, so it doesn't disenfranchise anyone. Right. But, it, but it solidifies the, you know, the, the need that you vote in in the area where you're designated. Right. Then, uh, <clears throat> later in the day today, the Supreme Court uh, handed down an even more consequential decision, and this was a case of nonprofit organizations in California or doing activity in California. California passed a law that required disclosure of donors, even yeah. to 501c3s, 501c4s which is clearly a violation. I mean, that's not allowed at the federal level. Yeah, but isn't 501c4, isn't that dark money? Oh, yeah. Well, 501c3 is dark money. <laughs> isn't that dark? Isn't it's this dark all money. in the it's dark? All about dark money. And we need to bring it all in the light. Isn't, well, this case, we have a guest to talk Yes, talk we did. That. Yeah, and refer back to our, our episode with Lori Roberts, which we had a, a spirited and cordial debate. Um, this case actually goes back to 2010. Mm. And back then, um, I happened to be involved in a uh, organization that that sent some money to California to a ballot initiative. Um, and at the time, Kamala Harris was the attorney general, and Jerry Brown was the governor, and Ann Ravel was the head of what they called the Fair Practices Political Commission, um, FPPC, and they were very alarmed when this money came into California against a tax increase. Um, it's so alarmed that they immediately tried to demand who gave the money. And we said, that's not your business. We don't have, we're 501c4, we don't have to give that 
that disclosure. And so it ended up going to, through a huge court case in California, culminating at a unanimous decision teleconference Sunday night at 11 p.m. California time. The, the California Supreme Court ruled against us mm-hmm. and said, no, you have to disclose the donors or enter into a settlement with the AG and the FPPC. It was a complete miscarriage of justice because the 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 tactic that the AG and the FPPC was using was that they were saying that we had to file a particular form. Well, the form under law was due January after the election. Mm. So that, that's the standard of any ballot initiative type things. So they were saying, you haven't filed this, so we're compelling you to file this form, even though it's not legally due until January. And the Supreme Court sided with them on that. So we ended up in negotiations, reached a settlement, um, and but it exposed some very nefarious activity on the part of the government trying to delve into nonprofit organizations and who are the people giving money to those nonprofit organizations. So once that was codified, they started actually taking that information from nonprofits and putting it out in the public, even though yeah. they claimed that there was never, well, we'd never share this publicly. They, they shared 1,800 pages of IRS filings yeah. um, in, public, in public domain. So an uh, organization called Americans for Prosperity and uh, Thomas More Freedom Center, I think, along with, get this, not only Americans for Prosperity, known as a, one of the Koch groups, work, group I've done some work with in the past, um, very conservative, obviously, but not only were they involved in this case, but other groups that sided with AFP and the the right way to go on this was the ACLU mm-hmm. and the NAACP. Hmm. So here we have a great consensus or of left and right saying, no, we need to have our First Amendment freedom. And the Supreme Court, had a, on a, with a 6-3 decision today, said, yeah, that's right. That's, it's not appropriate for a state to require disclosure of donors to nonprofit organization. Yeah, that's oh, a huge it, win. It's a huge win, and, and it shouldn't even be a partisan issue. It, well, and it, and it wasn't. And, 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 it's, being, it's being played that way in the media because the ACLU and the NAACP were not the plaintiffs, but they, they signed on to the case. Yeah, they, they did it make us brief. And listen, at the end of the day, we all play in the same sandbox, right? And, and the rules are the rules. And if someone tries to change the rules at the waking hour because it's not benefiting them, that's an issue. And that's And that's... A perfect example of what happened in this case is that the state of Arizona, of California obviously didn't like the fact that you were being successful. Right. Or other groups, outside groups, are being successful. And and to require something like that, which violates, a, you know, individuals' First Amendment rights, and it's been codified now in law that, that when you give money to a candidate or to a cause, you are exercising your First Amendment rights. Right. You are exercising a right to speech. And in, on some levels, that speech is is worth being private, right? Because of what you're what you're saying, it, it, it just reminds me of what just happened several weeks ago with ProPublica. You know, 
<laughs> publishing the the tax returns, which are supposed to be private, of some of the the country's largest billionaires. Yeah, you know, and and so we're we're back into this, um, and that's why this decision is really timely because this could bite ProPublica and whoever gave them that information bite them. I don't think so, because there is a there's there is a right to privacy in this in our republic, and um, for whatever reason, weaponizing IRS data, five hundred one c three data, c four data, seems to be um, uh, the focus and the mantra of the left. Yeah, and yet the right could do the same thing. Yeah, and that doesn't make it right or correct either. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, it is the First Amendment, and it, it it applies to everybody. Yeah, regardless of your political leanings. Yeah, I mean, and so you, and it brings back memories of Lois Lerner and weaponizing the IRS back in the Obama days, and against conservative groups, which mm-hmm. was illegal, and nothing happened to her. Yep. And yet, if if the same thing had happened under a Trump IRS, oh my gosh. it would have been the front page would have news for years, and it would have been the Russians. The Russians are, are are looking into our IRS data, and, yeah, and doing what they're doing. So it's a it's a really important decision. Um, and what's even more important is that the uh, six to three conservative majority, along and there's been a lot of question whether John Roberts where he would be on these issues. Um, the fact that he he came along and understood um, the importance of this and, and and the logic behind it, it was a good thing. Well, and it and it was on, it, on both fronts, and and it was it, it, disappointing that it wasn't more than six. At least, I mean, you think Breyer should have yeah. seen the logic? I, I, on the First Amendment case, I would I would have expected that. Yeah. Um, even even Kagan and and uh, Sotomayor, because that you know, this is a nonpartisan issue. It's the First Amendment, yeah. so um, I. I I feel like the the liberal justices had to look the other way a little bit on their own philosophy. I've only skimmed the the dissent. Um, Who wrote the dissent? Uh, Kagan. Kagan on, on the California on, case. Oh, good question. I can't remember now. I'll have to look at it. Yeah. But Kagan wrote the case, the dissent on uh, the Arizona case. Okay. But. It, 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 I think that I'll have to go back and look at them carefully, and I'd encourage everyone, anyone to go to SCOTUS blog um, and look at these cases directly because, one, it's always great reading. Yeah. These people are talented people. I mean, Alito's a great writer, not as good as Scalia, as Scalia was. Um, but, um, but Kagan and Sotomayor are very smart and witty and can write pretty biting stuff as well. So it's always an education to go read Supreme Court decisions. Yeah. Without question. So it's kind of in the weeds, but you want to know stuff that matters. It's Supreme Court decisions. Well, it's always interesting this time of year amongst us politicos, so to speak, because this is the, the, you know, the two or three week season of monumental Supreme Court decisions and, and how, you know, we all parse the well because they always, for whatever the reason, the decisions for whatever reason, the big, for, the big, big cases yeah. they they hold till right at the end. So yeah. here it is, the day after the set, you know, and and next year's Supreme Court 
is going to be really interesting. For the first time in a generation, they're taking up a Second Amendment case. There's several abortion cases that they're taking. And, um, you know, Clarence Thomas has been very critical of the court uh, along these lines of saying, you know, we, we have lifetime appointments, and yet we're not taking consequential cases because we're afraid of the repercussions of our own decisions. Right. Yeah. Well, and I the think social Alito, repercussions, I, I, I not think, just the political. Right. And I think Alito has alluded to that. And he gave a speech somewhere, and it was, and maybe it's even been in a couple of writings in dissents where it's like, guys, we we have an obligation yeah. to take on the big issues and make these decisions. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so, we haven't had a Second Amendment uh, case since Heller. That's and, right. And and that that codified the Second Amendment as the law of the land, even with people who are living in Washington, D.C. Right. You can Washington, own a gun. Tough. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because, now, because going outside without one probably isn't a good idea sometimes. Right. So now that the term is over uh, for the Supreme Court, watch for those on the left to be putting a lot of pressure on Breyer to retire so that Biden can pick a younger, more liberal justice before he leaves office. Or, and, or, and, or, or he picks President Obama. Well, like I said, younger and more <laughs> liberal. <laughs> I'm just saying that that's, that's the tea leaves that everyone is really reading. That would be fascinating. That, that be is, fascinating. Those are the big tea leaves. That's what... Well, well, and my understanding is that's that's what he wants. He wants to be he wants to be Supreme Court justice. He wants to be Supreme Court justice. Wow. He wants to be chief chief justice. justice. Well, he's not going to get that anytime soon. So, well, that's how you pack the court then. Yeah. Now, then it becomes a whole different issue. Well, and I think that the packing the court because it's a fifty fifty Senate, that's obviously not it really in the cards um, at this point. It, but but Biden is running out of time put through an agenda because, you know, we've got an election coming up next year and there's a chance that Republicans take the Senate back. Well, and we've talked about this before. I mean, you have to be able to count. And right now, everything in the Senate is so focused on mansion and cinema. And that's great. More power to them. But you've got six other senators sitting on the sidelines saying, take the arrows for us because we don't want to have to vote on this. And there's the, you know, you've got New Hampshire Senator, both Virginia Senators, Tester, Montana. I mean, nobody, <laughs> they're just slunked in their offices yeah. saying we don't, you know. And they were all out backslapping last week when the infrastructure bill was announced. Yeah. And then torpedoed within four hours by the president. But then it came back, right? I mean, I, think I don't think it's back. I think I think there's enough influential senators on the right and the left who now don't want to sign on. Well, it'll be interesting to see how the the because obviously the liberals want this to be a two part deal where you get the, inf the bipartisan infrastructure deal and then you cram all the stuff you didn't get in the bipartisan deal. And, into and, and, and then you screw everything else in, yeah. into so, a square hole. But that'll be, I, I'm, I'm not certain they can get the fifty votes plus Kamala to get. I think it's going to be really. I mean, the the reconciliation is going to be really hard. I think you're looking at a government sh shutdown. 
one way or the other. I think you look, you're looking at Mitch McConnell slowing things down. Can you imagine a government shutdown when they control everything? Is that so possible? It, 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 I, think, I think they'll come September, October. We're they'll do be, a CR. Yeah, there might be a CR, a CR with no tax increases or anything It'll else. But, be, but, but I think, to your point... And the CR the, is continuing resolution. Yeah, continuing resolution to keep everything status quo. Yes. But a reconciliation bill that magnitude, with as many people are up for election next year, with, with the tax increases that are in there, including um, the uh, elimination of the step-up in bases right. for, for debt taxes... And they are death taxes. Yep. You are taxed on your death after you've paid as many taxes you paid during your life. During your life. The government comes calling again. Doesn't matter who you are. And uh, so they want to eliminate that. And they want to increase the capital gains tax to 45%, <laughs> which would destroy capital investment in America as we know it. Because most countries, including our European allies, don't have a capital gains tax. Right. And they have a minimal corporate income tax. Yeah, and uh, I made a comment to somebody the other day. You know, it might it might come down in terms of the global minimum tax that that, that they're talking about that the Irish save the world yet again. Yeah, because it doesn't look like Ireland is going to go for anything. I wouldn't expect, and I mean, uh, because they have benefited so much well, what, over the last twenty years because of their uh, flat. Flat corporate tax was about twelve percent. Yeah, and what they're talking about is a twenty-five percent for international, or is it fifteen? Um, fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving parts, and uh, Congress only has like twenty-four days scheduled between now and the end of the year. They've got August recess coming, which everyone well, and I think that doesn't like going home, so yeah. they all go on their little trips. <clears throat> And I, I think their challenge is if they're going to try to get reconciliation done, they, I mean, it has to be. Well, the budget's due by September 30th, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything needs to be signed, sealed, and delivered. And so they're either going to do a CR that. We also have a debt ceiling issue. We have a debt ceiling issue that's becoming that's more up. acute within the next 30 days. So everything that's old is new again. That is right. <laughs> and. And I'll just I'll keep making the same argument. I, you know, Biden needs to learn how to count. Yeah, and he's going to have to back backpedal on a lot of this stuff because you're not going to get a Shaheen, a Tester, uh, um, any of the Virginia senators, uh, or or you know even even a Mark Kelly. I think who's going to have a bear of a re reelection yeah. next year, signing on to the largest tax increase in American right. history. That would be political suicide. Yeah, agreed. So that was a rant. That was a rant, <laughs> and it's you know Supreme Court taxes. You know, music got me all fired up. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Oh, and we should say this is our first Independence Day as a podcast. It is, and so we want to wish everyone a happy Independence Day. I say that not. You know, I, I'm fine with saying Happy Fourth of July, but it's Independence Day. It's Independence Day, and, and, and make no mistake, uh, we this country was founded on faith, freedom, and free enterprise. That's right. Make no mistake. No mistake. All right. Thanks, everybody. God Have bless. a great God bless America. Day.